the podcast dedicated to the highs and lows of crushes. From their first to their worst, we're going to cover them all with a cascade of characters, including our guest today, a podcast host with a voice like a chipmunk, me! Yes, Kendra here once again, writing solo to talk about a handful of crushes that crushed my heart in the best way possible over the past year. So let's get to it. Now, 2021, a notch above 2020 thanks to an election going, well, well enough. You know, it's hard to root for your third or even possibly fourth pick, but when they were up against a literal potato in an ill-fitting suit that sweat McDonald's grease, you have to take whatever win you can get, right? I have to admit, though, I did ball like a baby seeing our first female vice president get sworn in. Because if you don't know, when I was in elementary school, I swore up and down that I was going to be the first black female president. Of course, Obama beat me on one count, and well, my lack of enthusiasm in college sort of took me out of that altogether, you know, but that's fine. That's okay. If I'd done that, if I'd gone to an Ivy League school, if I had studied real hard and gotten into politics, I mean, would I be able to sit and talk about how we all want to fuck Disney's Robin Hood on a weekly basis? Exactly. So, of course, we had quite a scare with that whole election, though, thanks to a cult of crazy people storming the Capitol. I really cannot believe we watched that happen in real time. I'll never get over a former reality TV host being able to have that much pull on people. Which, speaking of, Kim Kardashian had us all enthralled when she started dating a crush we have talked about here more than once, Pete Davidson. That man must come good fortune because why? I repeat, why? How, who, what, when, where? Anyways, while Pete Davidson continued to be on everyone's radar, spoiler alert, he did not make my top crushes of 2021, but that's okay though. I think he's doing just fine without this accolade, and I'm sure by the time this airs, he will have dated 13 other beautiful women that have made us question our reality. Nevertheless, I did narrow down my list to a fabulous top 10, and I'm going to talk about a handful of them today because you can read about all of them, including my number one crush over at crushgasmpodcast.com. And if you haven't already and you need me to tell you who my number one crush of the year is, if I need to indulge to entice you to head over to crushgasmpodcast.com to check it out, it is, drumroll please, Adam from the Netflix series Sex Education. Because really, if you watched that show and didn't walk away from the third season ready to give your heart and body to Adam, did you even watch it? Speaking of watching, a lot of my 2021 crushes came from the small screen because I'm a huge TV addict, have been since I was a wee child sitting at home, waiting for my mom to come home from the casino, day after day, night after night, from Big Bird to TJF, 
I've loved TV and even today, it's always been my main source of comfort. And in the past couple of years, even more so because, well, what else was there to do? So let's get to these 2021 crushes that lean towards the small screen with one musical wonder tossed into the mix. And remember, these are just half of them. The other half will be featured on where? Crushgasmpodcast.com. Okay, here we go. First up is Dulé Hill. Apparently, this is the same man from that show Psych that was on like USA, TBS, TNT, one of those like upper cable channels that... I don't know who watches, but it went on a lot longer than I thought it would have. And it has a really wild following, but that's not why he's my crush. I didn't go down that rabbit hole and watch Psych over the pandemic and quarantine. No. Dulé Hill caught my attention and heart this year thanks to the reboot, remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it, of The Wonder Years on ABC. I was a fan of the original growing up and to this day squeal with delight whenever I see Fred Savage but this time around it was the patriarch of the family that got me interested Dulé plays Bill Williams and unlike the dad in the OG version Bill is one cool ass motherfucker uh, and he's like hot as hell there are so many people out there who love to complain they live to complain about these reboots and remakes and yes It'd be nice to see more original content out there, but when it's done right, who cares? This version of The Wonder Years features not only a total DILF, possibly DILF of the Year in fact, but gives us a whole new perspective on that era of American history that the original did not. Plus, I've always been a sucker for a coming-of-age tale, and it doesn't hurt when there is a hot dad involved. Actually. I tend to have a crush on most dads from the TV sitcoms, especially on ABC. There was the dad in the middle, still from Modern Family. Uh, The list goes on and on. Don't ask me why. I'm not ready to go down that daddy issue rabbit hole. So from rabbit holes that need not be explored to a part of the Marvel universe I'd like to get into, that Loki show really went above and beyond anything I could have expected. Because... I wasn't expecting much. I watch the movies with my guy and enjoy them when they're good, but I wouldn't die if I missed one. You get what I'm saying? Like, I don't live for Marvel, but being a TV addict and having enjoyed the hell out of WandaVision, I watched Loki with my dude and was absolutely enamored and wished I'd cared more about him when he was with my girl. Like Dulé Hill's character in The Wonder Years, Loki is just this badass motherfucker to me, Mr. Cool. But unlike Dulé, Loki is more conniving and of course can be a bit extra. And that's what I found myself constantly loving about Loki. And well, he's not that hard to look at either, is he? That hair, that smile. Now the only thing that was a little weird to me was when he wound up in love with a variant of himself. Yeah, that was weird. It was a little cringe for me, but not as cringe as one of my absolute favorite shows that we sadly had to say goodbye to this year, and that is Pen 15. Yes, this show takes the crown when it comes to cringe comedy, but one, it's about middle school, and two, it's about middle school in the early 2000s. How much more cringe could that be? Do you remember what we looked like then? Yeah. Anyways, this show got me from day one. I mean, when you open with Mandy Moore's 
candy talking about Sarah Michelle Geller. Come on. Also, did I not just say I'm a sucker for coming in age tales? Exactly. This show checked every box in my TV-shaped heart and then some. We did get a second season in late 2020, but with COVID halting production and the lead starting families, I think fans could have guessed that the last half of the second season in 2021 would be the end of the road. And sadly, it was. But what it ended was, it had a few scenes that will continue to live in the back of my mind and make me go, oh God, why? For the rest of my days. I'll just say they found something in one of the mom's drawers and that was wild. But what made me crush on this show this year more than anything was, well, two things. I love the heart that the cast and crew put into this show time and time again. And I feel like the final run of episodes was such a beautiful cap to the all-around homage to not only that era and what an era it was, but also to the beauty, devastation, and just plain awkwardness that comes with being 13. Because I often say whenever we talk about middle school or middle school crushes on this show, that that part of life, ages 11 to 14, although so small in the grand scheme of our existence, it is like the wild, wild west of our reality when it comes to emotions for all of us. We're going through so much mentally and physically that our minds are literal hot messes. And I think Pin15 captured that so wonderfully through the eyes of two best friends and also highlighted and featured just about every other type of kid there is in middle school along the way from the mean girls to those girls who dress like Little House on the Prairie and shout out to the girl in my middle school class who definitely reminded me of the girl who found a dress down by the river. Her and her horse girlfriend, you know, thinking back, they were strange, but they were just a part of the beautiful makeup that is my middle school memories and love them forever for that. Now, the second reason 1015 is here on my end of the year crush list is the relationship or rather lack thereof relationship most of the time between Maya and Sam. So in my teens, I, like many other millennials, was absolutely obsessed with Seth Cohen from the OC. Yes, Adam Brody. For those that don't know and want to Google his beautiful face, he was the perfect boy and no one dared compete. Well, in my heart, Sam has been coming for that crown since 2019. So back in February of that year when Pin15 dropped, the pilot was about Maya being deemed the ugliest girl in school. Flashbacks trauma i know the mean boys hung up posters with insensitivities and unbeknownst to maya sam started to take them down and as he did a fucking life house song started to play and in that moment my heart stopped completely it was very similar to how i felt during season two of stranger things when 11 comes to the door and mike sees her for the first time in a long while that just like gets me every time and it is Both of those are two of my favorite TV moments ever. But back to Sam, because in the final episode of Pen15, we're going along and I'm like freaking out because I shipped Maya and Sam so hardcore and I thought, oh my God, are we not going to get closure here? Am I not going to see them finally get together? 
And I will say, spoiler alert here, if you are fans of the show and have yet to see it, walk away, go away now. But in the final moments, I got that closure. And at 3 a.m., I was alone in the dark, crying my eyes out to Santana smooth. And that was all due to this beautiful moment between Sam and Maya. I mean, wonderful musical romantic moments on a show that featured a line about an aardvark dick. I mean, how much better can you get? Anyways, I could talk for hours on end about Pin15, which I did on Let's Talk Fandoms with Tazita. You may remember her from our Harry Potter episode, so keep a tab on her channels for that to drop. But yeah, Maya and Anna, thank you from the bottom of my heart for this show. Although middle school is insane for everyone, it was amazing to relive those moments and know that I wasn't the only one vigorously humping anything and everything at 13 years old. Now, we're going to go from sitcoms to reality TV because if you don't know, I am obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race and it was often my comfort show during the pandemic thanks to 43 new seasons airing a year, rewatching old seasons, and watching former queens recap on the YouTubes. And while the show is amazing as a whole, my 2021 crush is on one singular queen, and that's the reigning queen from the US of A, Simone. I'll admit, though, Simone wasn't my favorite right out the gate. When I say that, I mean the first episode. Of course, I thought she was beautiful, but I needed more. And then, well, she brought it very quickly. Her and Gottmik, I thought, shit, we're going to get our first regular season tie because they were so neck and neck. But in the end, though, Simone came out on top and it was such a well-deserved win. She won, what, like four challenges? Did Harriet fucking Tubman in the snatch game? Which she deserved to win that week. We'll die on that hill. And she never fucked up on a runway. To me, she had one of the best runs on Drag Race ever, minus that roast. But we ain't gonna talk about that. But we will talk about something else, and that's her runways. Because I think what I and everyone else who watched the show loved about her runways most was how representative they were to black folks out there. I mean, the do-rag look alone floored. I was floored. It was so unlike anything anyone else who stepped out that week did. And it really is forever one of those runway moments on the show that will be remembered as one of the top for a very, very long time. Of course, on top of the looks, Simone's acting was next level. And whenever I think of diabetes, I think of her now, always and forever. And if you don't know why that is, you can stream season 13 on Paramount+. Plus right now and find out last but certainly not least in this journey of 2021 crushes is another drum roll please olivia rodrigo who a year ago i had no fucking clue existed apparently she is part of that high school musical series on disney plus but i stopped watching after maybe two episodes because without zach efron's inner turmoil about wanting to sing and play basketball was the point. So yeah, like many, I heard driver's license and was like, okay, who is this? I need to know everything about them. And then I was also invested in that whole love triangle tiger beat drama she had going on with her co-star and another person from another show. So after driver's license came out, then another song. 
and another song and then sour dropped and it was clear who was going to be the top of my spotify rap this year now i'm basically a geriatric millennial at this point so i don't think i am the core audience for olivia rodrigo although most people my age are all about her as well but i just think it's wonderful that some 13 year old kid out there has this record to listen to some say it's like jagged little pill and i just told you my age so you know i ain't about to say it's on that level yet but while i did grow up with alanis i also spent my formative years with the likes of britney christina and jessica on mtv selling pretty you know processed pop great pop music but it clearly wasn't their call as we're learning and they also sold blonde hair blue eyes as the beauty standard and the worst thing of all low-rise jeans that last one they should be ashamed ashamed i tell you but today along with olivia singing how pissed the fuck off she is at some guy at 18 that i just wish we had more of that when i was growing up kids today they don't know how lucky they are when it comes to the representation in music these strong female artists like olivia SZA, Lizzo, and all the other wide array of female artists that just say what they want to say and look the way they want to look and all doing it without those low-rise fucking jeans. Low-rise jeans, something that will never make my top crush list ever. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed hearing me go on and on about a handful of crushes that crush me in the best way possible in 2021. Remember, the rest can be found at crushgasmpodcast.com this week and that I'll be back one more time by myself going over holiday movie crushes before the end of the year until we're joined in the new year with guests that range from comedians to musicians to men of the lord yes the new year has a lot in store but until then and until next time keep crushing it